everyone, and welcome to the great HRDQU podcast. I am Sarah Schaefer, and with me today is Rick Lepsinger from On Point Consulting. We have a great show for you all, and today we are going to be talking about five ways to make your team smarter. Welcome, Rick. Great having you here today. So uh, let's see, Rick, what do you mean by a smart team? Yeah, the whole idea of a smart team uh, is a group of people that's really able to produce a better quality decision, higher quality output, uh, where the team members have greater ownership, uh, there's more support for the decision going forward, and smart teams are able to leverage existing talent and the experience of the people on their team. You know, the net out is that the time spent on the team uh, and in team discussions is more satisfying and it feels more productive. And the key here is that it's really important to kind of get this right because most decisions are still made in teams uh, and people spend a lot of time in team and groups trying to do work, make decisions overall. And I think the key is that it's not that we spend too much time in teams and groups, but it's that we spend too much time in bad teams or bad meetings overall. So the good news is that we now have a much better idea of what it takes to make a team smarter and more effective overall. All right, and um, what, are, uh, what are smart teams doing that make them more effective? Yeah, well, it, actually, the, our knowledge of this has evolved uh, quite a bit over the last uh, decade or so. Um, it's more than having smart people on the team because you can go to you know any discipline like sports or business to look for dream teams uh, that really just didn't do a very good job. So groups of smart people can still make really bad decisions, and the key is to understand. Uh, how to avoid that overall. So we always knew that it had a lot to do with process uh, in general uh, and how the individual team members interacted. So what you're trying to do is put a process in place and provide people with the skills they need to be able to build trust, respect, and encourage an open dialogue, which is really the key to a smart, effective team. And there are five things uh, that um, smart teams tend to do uh, better and more consistently than other teams. And that's promote diversity, build emotional intelligence, encourage participation, assume value, and to express concerns as problems to be solved. And those are the five key tips and factors that differentiate regular teams from smart teams. All right, um, I'd love to take a closer look at each of those behaviors and characteristics. So why don't we start with promoting diversity? Sure, um, and, and the thing about diversity is that um, it's, it kind of has two factors or two angles on it. The first is having a wide array of perspectives and talents. And I think there's a certain degree of common sense there that the more varied your perspectives and points of view, the richer, the more robust the discussion, uh, and the more information and data you have to consider uh, as part of your decision-making process. The other part of diversity has to do with the gender component. And what we found is that teams with more women tend to be more effective. And it's not just having some women 
or a few women, but smarter teams tend to have a majority of women on them. And uh, what this seems to be about is the inclination or, or the propensity for women who appear to be better able to read complex emotional states of other team members and to be able to respond appropriately. So that's what we're trying to get at with diversity. It's both gender, a better, more equal mix, and maybe even a majority of women, and then a wider array of perspectives and talents as well. Okay, so why don't more managers promote diversity on their teams? Yeah, and that's really the challenge. I mean, the, the, the more different perspectives you have, the more different points of view you have, by definition, you're going to have more conflict. You're going to have more uh, tension between various points of view. And then the challenge then becomes to be able to translate this conflict, this tension, into a productive outcome. And a lot of managers would prefer to have more harmony, right? And harmony is about people more thinking alike, uh, kind of getting along. Um, and again, not that that's a bad thing, but it doesn't necessarily drive or contribute to new and different ideas. Um, and in order to be able to resolve conflicts effectively, you really do need to have high levels of trust. You need to have respect for the individual, and you need to also uh, implement a lot uh, the other factors uh, that we've been talking about, about what differentiates a smart team in general. Okay, and you mentioned emotional intelligence. Um, how does that help make a team smarter? Yeah, well, emotional intelligence is actually kind of, you could think of it as sort of a prerequisite almost or a foundational element of smart teams. It's about reading the emotional state of others and then being able to act appropriately uh, in response to what you're uh, observing to enable more effective team interaction. So emotional intelligence is about awareness of your own behavior and its impact on others and the ability to read others and to respond appropriately. So it's this combination of self-awareness, self-control, and empathy that helps create an environment that's more conducive to an exchange of ideas, the resolution of problems, and the making of uh, uh, higher quality decisions in general. So you can think of it really as a foundational element for smarter teams. All right, and what's the third success factor of smart teams? Well, the third is encouraging participation. And again, it's, um, it's really about leveraging the talent that's on the team. The key here is to avoid having experts dominate the conversation. And it's not that you don't want to have experts on your team who have a deep knowledge overall, but the problem with experts dominating is that there's less opportunity for new ideas to emerge, and it also increases the likelihood or the danger of repeating past mistakes or applying old solutions to new problems. And what you're looking for are new ideas, but when experts tend to dominate and other voices are more silent, you tend to do what's familiar, you tend to do what's comfortable, you tend to do what's been done before. 
And again, smarter teams are really looking for new, creative, innovative ideas that come from the less familiar. So some of the ways you can do this, by the way, are very straightforward. Uh, for instance, the use of open-ended questions to invite people to you know, kind of engage, and also literally inviting people who have been more silent to participate in the conversation is one way to just increase, you know, the number of voices that you're hearing on the team. All right, so if you encourage um, broader input from a more diverse group, you're bound to get ideas and suggestions you disagree with. Um, how do smart teams handle that? Right, and that really goes back to the whole thing about diversity in general and your know, lower levels of emotional intelligence. You get these different points of view, and teams are not really always equipped to be able to deal with those different points of view effectively. They try to harmonize. They try to minimize or avoid the difference rather than to take advantage of the different points of view to end up with something even better than what any individual might have come up with to begin with. So there's two things that they tend to do, and these are really the, um, uh, the, the last of the uh, five tips. So first, there's this, uh, what smarter teams are better at is assuming value. And what that means is, is that they focus on the positive aspects of the idea. So initially, when we hear something that's unfamiliar, um, we tend to reject it. We tend to push it away. Uh, and a lot of times, good beginning ideas don't get airtime because they just don't feel familiar. They don't seem like something we've done before. But smart teams are better able to look for the positives, even in unfamiliar ideas, and they take time to really look for what they like about the idea before they move to the concern. And what this does really is it keeps the idea alive long enough to be explored a bit more fully, to really see if there's some value in it before it tends to get rejected. But it also contributes to building relationships and trust among team members to really encourage and enable a more open dialogue. Because when your ideas get rejected out of hand, people are less likely to bring ideas forward. So what you're trying to do is encourage that open uh, contribution of ideas. The second part of it goes to our fifth tip, which is about expressing concerns as problems to be solved. So generally speaking, when we, again, hear an idea that we either disagree with or it doesn't sound familiar, we tend to sort of push it back. Really, you know, we can't do that. You know, our response is, we just can't do that. You know, it'll, it'll ruin the timeline. It'll, it'll take us off budget. It just isn't possible. We'll be unresponsive. But smart teams are better able to be direct and clear about their concern, but to do it in an actionable form, in a problem-solving way. So rather than say something like, you know, we, we just can't do what you're suggesting, uh, you know, any delay in the project, will make us look unresponsive. And then that just sort of pushes it and the conversation just shuts down. But on a smart team, you'd position it as a problem to be solved, more in a how-to format. So you'd say something like, how can we do what you're suggesting and still 
appear responsive or not appear unresponsive. And now you're inviting the person and the group to engage in some problem solving. Rather than defending an idea or defending a point of view, it now becomes a problem to try to fix or resolve. If you can figure out how to implement that idea without appearing unresponsive, you may have a new idea and a new approach. And again, for smart teams, doing things that are familiar and comfortable is not where new innovative ideas come from. New and innovative ideas come from the unfamiliar, <laughs> things that have not been tested before. And that's why assuming value and positioning concerns as problems to be solved are two key behaviors and two key skills that help you uncover the richness of some of these new ideas. All right, yes, so true. So um, in summary, would you just suggest managers do to help make their team smarter and more effective? Well, it really does come down to, again, it's simple to say, more difficult to do, but you're trying to uh, focus on team processes and skills that help build trust, that help encourage respect and encourage participation and an open dialogue among all team members. So you're able to leverage diverse perspectives and points of view in a constructive dialogue that takes the tension of different points of view and really throws it forward to uncover and discover new creative and innovative ideas. All right, Rick, thank you so much for the conversation today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Yep, and for more information um, on this uh, topic, you can go ahead and check out Rick Lepsinger's website at onpointconsultingllc.com. And for more learning experiences, please feel free to check out us at hrdqu.com. Thank you, everybody. Mm -hmm.